All right, got something to tell you about. A couple of weeks. You need to write this down because I'm issuing a challenge. I've, I don't know if I've ever done it quite this way, but this is a challenge that I'm giving you, okay? Two weeks from today, we're going to start a new series called Choose 2008. You can proudly get your Choose 2008 lapel pin or, or a sticker button. They're out at the info booth. Go by and get one. Because we're going to start a series called Choose 2008. You can go to choose2008.org and look at some stuff we've got on the website there and list your choices and read about some other people's choices. But on that day, 10-5-08, mark it down. I want, I want to challenge everybody to bring somebody with you. It's a perfect time for you to, the neighbor, the friend. Well, don't leave, Joel. I want to use you for an example just a second. Um, I'm glad you said friend and then said I want to use the example. Oh, that's right. I want you to... Uh, invite everybody, anybody you can, bring somebody with you, and we'll find places to put them. And if, here's the deal, Joel and I are going to make with you today. Right here, you ready? If if this place is full, you know, if it's full. Oh, wait. My wife wanted to talk to you some more about well, that. Well, it's too late. If it's full, if it's full, he's going to shave his head. Okay. And if it's full, Donnie's going to dye his hair. Whatever color Summer chooses. Uh, what? Uh, besides pink, that's the disclaimer. Any color but pink, I'm going to do it. If it's full, it has to be full, okay? So just in this room right now, if every person, we're, we're over half full, so it's not that hard to do. So if you want to see Joel's hair go. I'm afraid to shave mine because it's going as it is, and I think, well, you know. I'm not going to do that because it may never come back. So don't forget and pick up one of those stickers. Get one for a friend. Bring somebody with you. But seriously, it's a series that is going to help people who are searching for God. It's going to help people who already know Christ. It's going to help you look into the Scriptures and see what God has to say. In Deuteronomy, God says, I've set before you today a choice between life and death, prosperity or adversity. And God goes on to say, oh, that you would choose life. And we're going to talk about, for several weeks, what that means to choose life. Let's pray. God, thank you uh, for uh, just the way we read your word and just ideas start flowing. And Father, I pray and lift up that day, um, October the 5th, that, that people would be given opportunities, that people here today would, would cross paths with somebody and you prompt them to invite, to bring, to ask, and uh, just fill this place, not for the sake of filling it, but for the sake of people hearing about the message of how God loves them and how if they choose life, their life will never be the same. And I pray your blessings on that day. And God, we just give this day to you. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the last week of a series called Flip This House. And what we've been talking about is, you know how the, the reality show, they'll follow these people around who are professionals at buying houses, fixing them up, and turning them for profit. Anybody ever watch that show? It's, it's pretty cool. Well, those people have this, this thing they can do that, that I can't do. They, they can look at a house and they can see the potential of the house. And they don't see a messed up, dirty, decrepit old house. They see something, they see dollar signs. They say, I can fix this thing up and make a little bit of cash. Well, think about your life. No matter what you're going through today, no matter what's going on, what's inside your heart, 
no matter how bad you might think it is, God looks at your life, the totality of your life, and he sees tremendous potential. And he wants you to see your life the same. Unfortunately, for many of us to get there, we've got to make a flip. A flip in the way we think. A flip in the way we act. Maybe a flip in the way we conduct our family life. So the last couple of weeks and today, we've been challenging you to flip your house. A few years ago, my wife and I had been gone away from home for about a week, and we came back home, and we were unloading the van, and I was, my job was to put the stuff back in the bathroom, so I'm putting all the toiletries back, and I open up the shower stall, and I pull the door open, and I look down, and there are at least 20 roaches, and, and we had an exterminator. I mean, and this was when we lived in Louisiana, and roaches in Louisiana will eat the roaches we have here. I mean, they're like this long, huge. I'm kidding. If you've ever, I mean, they really are about that long. And they're like, you know, they look at roaches here and go, you're not a roach. I'm a roach. So I, I, I closed the door and, and I was like, honey, could you, uh, could you get the bug spray? And, and, uh, and, and I'm just going to sit it here. And then there's a bunch of roaches in the, in the shower, but let's just finish unpacking and we'll get them later. We'll just leave them there. We got other stuff to do. Life's too busy. We'll get it right now. You think that's what I said? Do you think it would have worked had I said that? No way. No way. I mean, I live in a house, and if you live in a house with all women, you can, you can understand where I'm coming from. If there's something that flies, something that, that, that makes the response be, ooh, you know, dad's got to take care of it, whatever it is. And if there's a wasp or a bee or just a moth that's harmless or anything that could fly into the hair, you've got to get it. It doesn't matter, and life has to stop. No matter what's going on, you've got to stop. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care what appointment you've got. There's a flying thing in my room, and you've got to get it out before I go. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not doing anything. Get it out. So dad's got to go and get it out. I mean, they expect us, whoever they are, they expect us to just stop the world to take care of this. And if you're like me, you do it. Who else does it? Doesn't matter what else. There's nothing more important than that then if we'll stop the world on, its, on a dime, if we'll stop everything we're doing to kill a bunch of roaches or to destroy a wasp or a bee or a moth or whatever it might be, if we'll stop everything to make sure that thing is out of the way, why do we walk through life and just take problems and push them to the side and say, I'll just deal with that later? That's, that's something, yeah, it's a big deal. I'll just, I'll just deal with it later. I'll just push it aside. I don't have time for it right now. I know it's something I need to work on, but I'll just deal with it later. Because there's things in my life I don't want people to know about, and, and it would just take too much effort to, to just get it all out. And I'm just going to push it aside and deal with it later. I think us humans do a great job at doing that, just pushing things aside, not dealing with it, letting it be off in the shadow somewhere, hidden away. And if you're like me, occasionally you have to be reminded, don't ignore the important things in your life. Don't ignore those things in your life that you've kept hidden off in the shadows. You need to bring them out and expose them. When Jesus Christ was on earth teaching, he was constantly reminding people that they needed to focus on not the externals because 
they tend to take care of themselves if you do what first? Take care of the inside. Take care of the heart. If you go in those dark places and take care of the stuff that you've pushed aside and pushed aside, Jesus knew if I can get him to deal with that, everything else will kind of take care of itself. Because what happens on the outside follows what's on the inside. And some people, some of you have developed this skill of hiding things and hiding who you really are and hiding what's really deep inside that you haven't had, think you haven't had time to deal with. In the New Testament book of Matthew, Jesus does this long, long message. And he's talking about just those things. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles right now and up the aisles. If you don't have one, raise your hand. If you're here for the first time, we'd love to give you a Bible. Uh, you can follow along or read on the screen that Bible is yours to keep. We believe the words in there will lead you to a knowledge of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So Jesus is talking to these people, and it's in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And he's talking to them about they need to change. They need to kind of flip the way they think. You're, he's saying, you guys are thinking outside. I'm telling you to think on the inside first. Go to the heart of the matter first. And that's what Jesus is trying to communicate. And he ends up this long section of teaching in Matthew chapter 7 by saying this. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. What Jesus is saying is to the extent you are willing to apply my teaching determines how your life is going to go. Now, one thing he does say is, no matter who you are, you are not exempt from storms. Storms come to everybody. You're not unique. You might think, oh, I'm the only one that's ever had to deal with this. Only me. You're not. Sorry. Everybody's got to deal with it. Everybody's got storms in their life. But the difference is, Jesus says, where's your foundation? Where have you dug down and buried your foundation, it's either on rock or it's on sand. If it's on rocks, when you go through things, you're going to react one way. If it's on the sand, when you go through difficult times, you're going to react a completely different way. Have you ever noticed that? Somebody goes through a tragedy or a difficulty or a huge mistake in their life, and they deal with it one way, and you see somebody else dealing with the same, the identical problem, and it's a completely different outcome. It's because it's where their hope is. It's where their foundation is. And Jesus is saying, you've got to keep your foundation on the rock, on me. And then when those storm comes, storms come, yes, it's going to be painful. Yes, it's going to hurt. And yes, you're going to have difficulty, but... The wind's going to blow and the storms are going to come and your house is going to stand. Some of us, if we're ever going to have our house built on that solid foundation, we're going to have to make a flip, a flip in the way we think, a flip in the way we act. Probably last week and this week, most of you uh, either have experienced or will experience tonight or this week your first small group with the whole Beyond Sunday thing that we're doing and and. How many hosts? Just raise your hand if you're a host. I don't mind to put hosts on the spot. Several people in here, hosts of small groups. Now, if tonight is your first night hosting a small group, I guarantee here's what you're going to do. 
clean the house. You're going to tell your, your husband, your wife, your kids, get the house clean. There's people coming over. And if you're like me, here's what happens. You, you, know, you kind of haven't done your responsibility in keeping the thing clean. And then, and then all of a sudden somebody's coming over and it's my responsibility to clean it. You know how I clean? Put, put that in the closet. Stick that in the, stick that in the door. Put that up on top of the fridge because nobody's that tall and they can't see it. And it doesn't matter. Put it in the bedroom and tell the kids, don't you dare open the master bedroom door. Don't you dare when people's over here because, you know, it's not locked and if, oh, it will ruin my life, you know. I mean, I've been to some of your houses. I see the doors closed. I know what's behind there. I understand. I, I, I completely understand. Now, is that not true? Don't people do that? I mean, somebody's coming over. You've got to get the house clean. You don't have time to go through and put everything where it's supposed to go, so you just stick it somewhere. Every time I clean, my wife has to come through and say, where is this? Where is this? It had its place. I'm like, well, that's on top of the refrigerator. She's like, what? Why would that be on? Well, I, I was cleaning, and I had to get it out of the way, and, you know, it's stuck under the bed. And, you know, ask kids to clean the room, and you need to go in and open, look under the bed, and it's like, ah, yeah, yeah, there's those things you've been missing for months, and... In my house, what we have, now you've probably, maybe none of you have one of these. What we have in my house, when we clean, when I, well, I won't say we, don't want to bring my wife into it. When I clean, when, when, when my job is the kitchen, we have this thing in our kitchen. I brought it to show you. Sorry, honey. <laughs> it's my junk drawer. Now, you may be normal and not have one of these things, but, but this has got just, I mean, if I ever like want to get a prize or something, I just look in the junk drawer. There's just an amazing bunch of stuff in there. If I ever need a ruler, hand sanitizer, these little things that slide your furniture along the floor, cut my fingernails, glue something, uh, there's a Sharpie, what is that, hair clip, I need that, I mean, there's just tons, hey, where did that, that is, there's probably $3 in here, I mean, there's just tons of stuff that mostly I put in there, or the kids, when, 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 we're, when we're having this cleaning time and we're in a big hurry, and we just throw it in the drawer, and just close it because that puts it out of sight. How many people, how many of you, when you're going through life at a hurried pace and something comes up that you need to deal with, all of a sudden you start hiding things. I've got to put this over here. I can't let anybody know about that. And I've got to put my face on. I've got to get this facade out there so everybody thinks I'm okay and everybody thinks I'm strong. But when in reality you were to open the drawers of your heart, open the doors, look in the hallway closet, look on top of the refrigerator, there would be stuff stashed away, hidden, that you just thought you didn't have time to deal with, and you just kept on living life, and it's there, and it's hidden, and it's separating you from God. How many people say, I'll, I'll deal with my anger later. I'll deal with the financial problem later. I'll deal with that lust later. I'll deal with the hurt. I'll just deal with all that later. And then just below the surface in places that nobody knows about but you are the things that you've stuffed away in your junk drawer. And nobody knows that today better than you. Nobody. Last week at Wakefield when I delivered this message, this lady came up and, and, and she, just, she was just broken. And she just said, I've got so much stuff. I don't even know where to start. What do I do? And, and, and she, she just totally said, I want to get it out there in the open. And she's connected with some people who's going to help her do that. But all of us have something that we've stuffed away and refusing to deal with. When I hide things, here's what happens. 
it prevents me from developing real relationships. If I don't ever let anybody really know me and my mistakes, my goof-ups, everything, when I don't do that, when I hide things, it prevents those relationships from getting deep how they're supposed to be, how I was designed to be. I can remember when Cindy and I were dating and we got engaged and and things were, you know, wow, this is serious. This is going to be, you know, this is the woman I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. I'm closer to her than anybody else on the earth for the rest of my life. And and I hadn't been a Christ follower long, just a few years at that point, just a couple of years at that point. And, and so I thought, well, I, I better tell her about some things I'm not very proud of I did before I knew Christ. I mean, you know, we, we've all been there, you know, just living a life you're not proud of and things happen you're not proud of. But here's what, why I sat her down and told her everything I could remember. Because I knew some Thanksgiving we'd be sitting around the table and my big mouth, loud mouth, never stops talking brother would say something. And she would say, you did what? So now I have, he can t- say anything. And he does. But she's never going to say, what? You were, huh? I can't because I just thought, I'm going to just get it all out. Because I want this relationship to be deeper than anything on earth I've ever experienced. And if I don't get it all out then there's a chance it couldn't be. So when I hide things, and you don't have to be obviously that open with everybody, but you at least should have somebody you're that open with that you say, oh, here's my mistakes, here's the warts and all. Here's who I am. Because when you don't, it prevents you from developing the depth of relationships that you were designed to have. Hiding things also keeps me from God. When there's parts that I won't let go of, that I keep hidden, that keeps me from developing that deeper relationship with God. He already knows it. He knows where your best hiding places are. If you've got something hidden, he knows exactly where it is. He knows exactly what it is. He knows the best places you found to keep that stuff away from everybody else. God knows. And until you say, God, here I am, messed up and all, here are the things. And when you acknowledge that, Your relationship with God will be places you never thought it could be. And if you don't acknowledge that, it won't ever get to what it could be. So what if you started to make the flip and live in a a whole different way and where you didn't have things hidden away if you begin to identify what's in the dark? Now, the Bible calls that stuff in the dark sin. Sin is anything that separates me from God. And over the past 15 years, since I've been in full-time ministry, I've had people share with me things that, that they did or were doing that they wanted to get out in the light, that they wanted to stop hiding and stop living. Some might seem pretty harsh. Some seem like, wow, you know, you're hiding that. You know, it's like, why would you hide that? So I just want to share a couple of those with you today. Just a few things that I bet there's somebody in here that's dealing Every one of these, there's at least going to be a person dealing with every single one of these four things that I'm going to share. And the first one is, and and you might not think it, it messes up your life that bad, but the first one is this, worry. Oh, how many times have we hidden away our worries in a junk drawer that we hope nobody ever saw because they might see it as weakness? I mean, some you might think, worry, what's wrong with that? I'm good at that. That's the only thing I'm good at. I'm good at worrying. My mother was good at worrying. Her mom was good. We come from a long line of worriers. You know what worry is? Worry is looking at the future and thinking negatively about what you want to happen. 
It's negative dreaming. Instead of dreaming about the future and what it could be, you dream about it and hope what it's not going to be. That's what worry is. Here's what the Bible has to say about worry. In Matthew 6, verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? You know, worrying about something you can't change is useless. And worrying about something you can change is stupid. It really, get the right translation of the Bible, that's what it says. It just doesn't make sense. What would your life look like if you took the worry out and said, God, here you go, I'm done with this. I'm finished, I'm going to identify it, and I'm just not going to, I'm not going to live my life worrying. Not going to do it. What would your life look like if the worrying stopped? Here's another big one people deal with that I'm sure... Folks in here have dealt with, it's this one. This is a big one because this one can creep up on you. You don't think you've got it and then all of a sudden something happens and you fly off the handle and you say things that you shouldn't say and then boom, I mean, life's all different and you've hurt somebody's feelings. And the, the, the interesting thing about this one, about anger, is that there's a good way to have it and a bad way to have it. I mean, which are you when it comes to anger? You only got one of your choices, You're either a stewer or a spewer. I mean, some people sit on it and won't say anything about it, and they just let it build, or you just spew. You just let it out. It doesn't matter who's in the room. They're going to hear what you have to say, and they're going to know how you're feeling. Well, the Bible tells us it's okay to be angry. There's nothing wrong with it. It's how you deal with the anger and how long you deal with the anger. Here's what it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. That word, foothold, the devil, evil, what it, that word foothold means a place, a room, a location, an opportunity. Don't give evil an opportunity to be in your life. And when you have anger that you continually just... Go to bed and get up. Go to bed and get up. And let seasons of your life or even days of your life pass without dealing with the anger, then you're giving evil, the devil, you're giving that a foothold, an opportunity to blossom in your life. That's what anger does. So maybe you're, you're a person that says, you know what, it's time for me to say, I'm angry and I need to expose that. I need to get it out in the open. I need to I just need to get it out of hiding. These people think I'm nice and mild-mannered. Oh, man, when I get behind closed doors and it's just me and my family, look out because you're going to get it. Some people need to bring it up and just say, I'm finished. I'm not going to hide that stuff anymore. What would your life look like if the anger stopped or your negative dealing with the anger stopped and you began to deal with your anger in a healthy way and not with wounds that, with words that wound but deal with it in a healthy, godly way. Another one that I know people hide, that I know people deal with, another one that destroys relationships and messes up people's lives, is this one. And how many times people have sat in my office and just gone on and on and on and on about somebody else, and I'm like, oh, please, you know. <laughs> I'm not real good at counseling, but I'm like, 
just come on, go talk to this person, you know? Just go talk. Well, it's not gossip, it's the truth. You know, I'm not gossiping, I'm just telling the truth. It's really happened. Look, either, and, and of course, there's a time you have to talk. If you're trying to help and be part of the solution, you have to talk about it. You just can't keep it inside. But you're either part of the solution or part of the problem. And you're at most of the people in here are adults, and you know the difference. You know when you're talking and trying to come to a solution and talking and just being part of the problem. What would it look like if my life didn't have this in it anymore? You know, this one gets me. Oh, man, it gets me. Because here's why. Because if there's ever been a time that that I really, really, and I won't do it, but I want to punch somebody in the mouth, okay? I'm being transparent here. I mean, if those thoughts come in my mind, when somebody comes up to me and says, now you're going to be scared to ever do this. I won't hit you, I promise. If if somebody comes up and says, well, you know what, Donnie? Um, I heard, I heard that this, I heard this, and that is just like, it, it, when it's something negative, when it's something that shouldn't, you know, I heard, where did you hear it? Well, I just heard it. I mean, it was like, I heard it. Well, what do you mean you, you heard? Those two words and two other ones I'm also going to share with you mess up people's lives and happiness and relationships. Well, I heard she's doing this, and I heard, and... Well, what about the truth? Not just, I heard. What about just telling the truth? And the other ones. This one's hard. This one's really hard. Well, they said. You know what they said? They they said this and they said that. Well, I will always say to you, who? I will make you uncomfortable if you come and say they said because I'm going to say who. Because more often than not, when they said, it's the wife or the husband. That's the they, or it's the other person rattling around inside their head. It was all their idea. I heard and they said, when you start to use those words or hear those words, trust me, gossip is lurking. How can you ever deal with they when you don't know who they are? And if I knew who they were, I would love to go talk to them because how do you deal with they? It's like this anonymous weird thing, person out there you can't ever deal with. So those words don't need to be in our vocabularies. When it comes to complaining or talking or challenging, they just say him, her. Say the name. This has ruined so many relationships. And this hidden is lethal. What would your life look like if you identified, you know what, I'm dealing with gossip. I, I, I talk too much. I say too much. I carry too many stories from here to there. Listen what? Proverbs 26 says, without wood, a fire goes out. Without gossip, a quarrel dies down. Another one that I've watched people deal with, verbally and non-verbally, one that also destroys relationship and is closely related to gossip is this, lies. People telling or living lies. When our kids were little, like toddlers, just beginning to be able to talk and do things for themselves, I would, I would ask our youngest, I can remember this so well, I would say, did you brush your teeth? And I already knew she didn't because I went and I felt a toothbrush. So, and, so I convinced them, I, I knew, I was, like a, I was like, I could tell. I could tell if you're telling the truth and I would always, I would feel their head. You know, I would 
hmm, I, yeah, you're telling the truth. Good job, honey, thanks. Or if I already knew it wasn't the truth, and a little three-year-old, you brush your teeth, mm-hmm, and I knew you, they didn't, and I'm, oh, I don't think so. I don't think you did it. And last week, my oldest came up to me, and she said, I used to walk out of the room and feel my head. And how did he know that? How did he know? I know that's hypocritical because I'm talking about lies, but but some some people exaggerate and 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 talk big in order to avoid a consequence or make themselves look better or or, or hurt somebody else or live a life that you know is not true. You know, if you make it a habit of lying, you you got to have a good memory. I, f- I found that out a long time ago when I was a teenager. I thought, man, if I tell like four lies to my parents, i got to remember what I said because they're smart. They ask me about it again. And if I don't remember because it was a lie, it's not reality, that's harder to remember. How about I just start telling the truth? And that's much easier to deal with the consequences and get it over with than lying and having to remember. So if you are a person who continually lies... You know what I'm talking about. You've got to have this awesome memory so you can lock it in your brain and never get rid of the lie in your mind because what if somebody asks you about it? What if they say, remember when you, and you're like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I remember. That's right. And then you please don't ask me to tell the story again because I can't remember it. What would your life look like if you took the lies out of the drawer, off top of the fridge, out of the hallway closet, and you exposed them to God and said, you know what, I, I lie, and I've got to get rid of that. I've got to expose it. I've got to... I've got to change the way I communicate, the way I talk, and the way I live. If you flipped your life and got that out and exposed it, what would your life look like? And you might say, I can't stop lying. I'm in too deep relationally. It would hurt too bad to tell the truth now. And that might be true. But relationally, telling the truth may lead to some pain short-term but it'll lead to long-term intimacy almost every time. In Proverbs 12, it says, The Lord detests lying lips, but He delights in people who are truthful. That word detests, it means to be nauseous. Saying it makes God sick for us to live a lie because lying separates me from God. What would my life look like if I got the lies out of it? And one that has many, many different faces that many, many people deal with is this one. And this one is hidden so well because maybe you don't even know you have a problem and think, I can stop taking the drink, taking this, looking at that. I can stop it at any time. If you believe that, then why is it hidden? If you believe you can stop doing something that's a detriment to your health, to your well-being, to relationships. If, if you believe you can stop at any time, then why are you hiding it? Why is it stuffed away in the back of a junk drawer somewhere where nobody else knows about it? And this one in many people's lives just needs brought out and exposed to say, God, I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with that. I'm dealing with that. And I've got to get it out of my life. And I may not have mentioned yours today, but already you know what goes on the next card because you're the one that's hiding it. What would my life look like if I, if I pulled out my junk drawer, all that stuff emotionally that's in there, and what would it look like if I 
started to just identify and toss. Now you might think, great, that was encouraging. You told me you put all my sins up here on the screen and that's all we did today. Let's go eat lunch. Here's the encouraging part about bringing them out. When you identify what's going on, when you identify the sin, the thing, whatever it is hidden, when you identify that, you know what God does? When you identify and say, God, I want this out of my life, no matter what it is, it starts to get erased. It, it, it starts to get covered because hopefully you know the story about Jesus Christ and he came so no one would have to live a life with that. No one would have to hide those things anymore because he forgave them. And all we have to do is expose them. We can, we can move from living a concealed life to a revealed life. Listen what it says in Psalm 103, verse 12. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. So you know what happens when I begin to pull out my junk drawer and take that stuff out and identify it and say, God, help me? These things start to go away. These things aren't hidden anymore. I don't have to live a lie. I don't have to wonder if somebody's going to find out the real me because they're all gone. If you sat there today and thought, yeah, I got some things. I need to get out of the drawer. I need to stop hiding. I need to make the flip. Have my house on that solid foundation that Jesus Christ talked about. If that's you today, if you felt God speaking to you through what was said or what you saw on the screen or what was saying, I would love to talk to you. We, we would love for you to come and talk to us. You can just, right after the service, go out, make a left, go over to Theater 2. And whatever you're holding, whatever it is that you've identified today, and you want to know, how can I experience that just wiping clean feeling? And go over there, talk to somebody in Theater 2, and they can help get you pointed in the right direction. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for uh, the promise of being able to deal with whatever comes in our life when we apply your teachings. God, I pray for that one person that's here today that that was touched by what was uh, said or sung or put on the screen. I pray that you would uh, just give them the courage to make that left turn as they walk out the door and go talk to somebody. I pray this in Jesus' name.